The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash earnings right now. netsuite.com slash earnings. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We can see that illuminated sign that marks the end of the journey. This vaccine will help us get past this pandemic once and for all. We need people to have faith that this vaccine is safe and that they should take it. The thing that's going to stop us from seeing the end of this pandemic are people going, oh, I'm not so sure. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Roger Hearing. And a very good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepker. Now, tempers do seem to be fraying between the UK and the EU amid accusations over vaccine nationalism and the Northern Ireland Protocol. In the latest developments, we've seen Brussels call on London to come clean about its vaccine exports, accusing the government of blocking jabs from being sent abroad. That drew a swift rebuke from Downing Street. But it's also the UK's unilateral decision to delay the introduction of customs checks between Northern Ireland and Great Britain that is threatening even worse fallout, a breach of international law as the EU sees it. It has caused problems with trade and food supplies, but it has also highlighted the anomalous position of Northern Ireland within the UK constitutionally, but outside it in terms of trade, reawakening old debates. Unionists are increasingly angry over the trade protocol that establishes a customs border in the Irish Sea, and some former loyalist paramilitary groups have now withdrawn support for the Belfast Agreement. And that is the theme of today's special Northern Ireland and the province's status post-Brexit. Well, speaking to us earlier, Duncan Morrow, who's a politics professor at Ulster University, said the peace process is now under threat. Part of the problem here is that, if you like, stability in Northern Ireland, as far as we ever got stability, was brought by the Good Friday Agreement. And the Good Friday Agreement was based on a fundamental agreement between the United Kingdom and Ireland. And the difficulty is that Brexit, by requiring a border somewhere between Britain and Ireland, uh, means that that balance has become really uncertain. And so I suppose for some unionists, they're saying we should have a border in Ireland, a hard border in Ireland. The consequences of that are that nationalists and most people who saw the Good Friday Agreement as a way of softening the relationship between Britain and Ireland would be opposed to that. So then we've got the border in the Irish Sea and unionists are very opposed to that. It's hard to see, and this is where the difficulty comes, uh, in the context of the kind of Brexit that we have, what the solutions are. That was Duncan Morrow. Well, today we've also learned the US is being drawn in with the Irish Times reporting senators in Washington drawing up a bipartisan resolution renewing their support for the peace process in Northern Ireland. Well, for more on all this, we're very pleased to be joined by one of the signatories of the Belfast Agreement, the former Irish Taoiseach, Bertie Ahern. Uh, Mr Ahern, welcome to the programme. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, let me ask you, first of all, there's been a lot of warnings from Northern Ireland, which I'm sure you've heard, that the anomalous position of the province post-Brexit, in effect with two borders, is unsustainable and therefore could be a threat to the Belfast Agreement you helped forge. Do you share those fears? 
Well, I, I share Roger that there's a huge amount of tension at the moment, uh, and I share the view that unless these things are dealt with very, very carefully um, by the EU, by the British government, and by extension the, the Irish government, uh, that we could get ourselves in, into a into a very difficult position. Um, I suppose just a, f- a few things. I, I, when the Christmas Eve, which I think I, I always hate these agreements. I spent most of my political life negotiating things of one kind or another, whether it was in Europe or whether it was a Good Friday Agreement or whether it was um, working with the social partners in Ireland. But uh, finishing things up and rushing things up and, on Christmas Eve, it all was, I, I think, was, was dangerous. Um, and the problem is now that the... While we all welcome the conclusion of the EU-UK trade and cooperation agreement um, taken together with the withdrawal agreement, including the protocol on Ireland, Northern Ireland, it it means that we thought that all the Brexit issues were, were dealt with. And the protocol, when it was negotiated, was meant to be an agreed balanced compromise which was vital to protecting the Good Friday Agreement and all the gains that we've made in the peace process. Uh, the difficulty now is uh, Brexit was always going to be a problem. We don't have to go over that ground again. Um, uh, I was a, a supporter of, of, of Theresa May's uh, solution, um, which, which meant that um, the whole of the UK was part of the single market. And I always said in many, many interviews and statements that if we went the other route, we were going to have problems. And we were going to have difficulties. And that's what's happening. And unfortunately, the relationship between the EU and UK uh, is so difficult at the moment. Um, Like last week, what what happened was was just a bit senseless in negotiating terms. Um, The EU were going to agree to an extension uh, that night. And then the UK came out in the afternoon and, and jumped the gun. Now, I don't want to get uh, all those things just add up the heat into it. Um, but the difficulty is that we're dragging ourselves into constitutional issues, which we should only be trying to deal with uh, trade difficulties. We're dragging ourselves into devolution issues where we should only be trying to deal with supply issues. Mm-hmm. So the reality, Roger, is that uh, it, it, it's just getting into very messy and difficult territory. But in that case, you know, what is the way out, as you say, of these incredibly difficult uh, processes? Is it some form of this uh, post-Brexit protocol? Is that still the best way to try to resolve it? How do you see potential for a resolution? Well, I, th- I think, Caroline, the, the, the difficulty is that um, under the protocol, uh, Northern Ireland remains part of the the UK's uh, customs territory and it's subject to certain provisions of EU law. Um, and these EU law provisions are effectively those necessary to avoid a hard border on the island of Ireland. That was the reason for it. Uh, and they include the Union Customs Code and, and EU legislation across a, a range of areas necessary to protect the integrity and cooperation of the single market and goods. The, the difficulty is um, that these issues weren't, you know, fully thought out. They weren't seen through. There was too much rushing. Um, you know, too many people change around. I mean, Theresa May had pointed these issues out um, 
at the, at the time it wasn't a David Livington if I have the um, wasn't that her personal me he he had said that if if we go down the road um, of not having the 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 holy UK uh, in the the customs union and then we were going to run into these difficulties and that and that's exactly uh, what's happening and I think it is important not to lose sight of the overall purpose of the protocol uh, and the role that it plays in providing as much certainty as possible under the difficult circumstances created by the UK leaving the EU. Um, now, to answer your question, Carolyn, what I'd like to see, and I think what's necessary if everyone would just calm down, uh, uh, is, is for the um, specialised committee uh, that's meant to be addressing these issues, along with the joint committee, uh, to, to look uh, at how they can work themselves out, see where they can ease things, see where they can use, staying with the protocol, but trying to find out how they can deal with issues of the supply chain uh, and how they can deal with checks and balances without overdoing it. I know some of the unionist politicians feel that there's more checks and balances in the IRC than there is anywhere else in the entire of Europe. I don't know if that's correct or not, but yeah. if it is correct, at least it, it, it deserves yeah. to be looked at. I suppose that you said let's everybody calm down, and as you're talking about a calm way forward, but the fact is that the history doesn't suggest that necessarily is going to be happening. Um, how big a risk do you think is it? I mean, let's talk it, let's see it out in the open, a return to some kind of violence. It's been hinted at in the last few weeks. We all hope it doesn't come to that, but how much of a risk is it? No, I, I don't think, um, because I'm a, uh, an optimist, and that's how we got the Good Friday Agreement in the first place. But I think um, I don't see people going back to, you know, to, to, to violence. And uh, I think a, a lot of people who, who t talk about this, you know, when, when we were advocating, many of us were doing this back in 2017 and eight, 2018, um, trying to highlight uh, the difficulties and, and the complexities of it. People didn't want to listen. They just said, ah, it'll work itself out in the day. And, of course, when they hit the 1st of January, they realised that in spite of all the ads that were on, telling business to organise themselves and everything else, people haven't um, sorted it out. So I really believe, Roger, that a lot of these things you know, can be, be worked out. I think there is a lot of teaching problems. What, what worries me but is what was trade issues, trade complexities, is feeding fast in now uh, into constitutional issues, devolution issues. Um, uh, that's upping the ante. You mentioned in your intro about the uh, the loyalist groups um, saying that they won't support the, uh, the the agreement. So all of these things are feeding in. I don't see it going back to violence, but there's a tension around now within the unionist community, and that will ultimately feed into the nationalist community that hasn't been around uh, for 20 years, and, and that's, mm. that's regrettable. And um, that's why I think we need people to, to stand back and, and not get ourselves in, in, into a, uh, a cul-de-sac that we can't get out of. In your view, does this, though, increase the likelihood of a united Ireland? There's lots of talk that the result of Brexit will be a breakup, essentially, of the UK. What is your view about there being a poll on unification? Well, well, I'm, I'm continually saying that uh, whatever, uh, I think the Good Friday Agreement, any reading of it shows that there will be a poll eventually. Um, the last time to have that poll um, is now. Um, I, my personal view is it should be towards the end of the decade. Um, but in the middle of all this, that would be a disaster. 
uh, and we, we have to, I think, keep away from that um, yeah. and, and just deal with these issues, uh, trying to throw a, a border pole or a united Ireland um, into this agenda yeah. would, would be dynamite. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. We're taking a special look today at the situation in Northern Ireland as tensions between the UK and the EU are beginning to threaten the peace process in the region. We've heard from a former Irish Prime Minister and shortly we're going to be speaking to the independent unionist Claire Sugden. But first, let's talk to the SDLP MP for FOIL and party leader, Colm Eastwood. Colm, welcome to the programme. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, do you feel there is, in this situation, with all the threats we've heard about uh, and the difficulties in reconciling what Northern Ireland's position is constitutionally and commercially and economically, do you feel there is a risk now, potentially, to the Belfast Agreement? Well, I think there's absolutely a risk to the institutions of the Belfast Agreement, um, the Good Friday Agreement, and that means that we all have a responsibility to calm down, frankly, and to work through the process. Um, you know, the reason we have the protocol that unionists are so up in arms about is because we have Brexit and we have a particular kind of Brexit. So when Britain decided to leave the customs union and single market, there was going to be checks somewhere. Uh, they were either going to be on the island of Ireland because we have a, a land border with the European Union. Uh, we all know that was unpalatable politically, but also impossible uh, and, and practically. So therefore, there had to be something uh, different and that's why the protocol came into place and there have to be now checks at the ports but those of us who are Irish nationalists but were also anti-Brexit and anti-hard Brexit saw all this coming, warned uh, unionist leaders like the DUP and of course the DUP had power in their hands in Westminster and decided to follow uh, the right wing of the Tory party, the ERG, looking for a, the hardest possible Brexit without realising that, that would inevitably mean a border in the Irish Sea, that was political incompetence from, from the DUP, and I think they need to own that. But I'm not saying that to rub anybody's nose in it. I just want people to understand there are sort of trading and geographical realities that have led to the need for uh, to, for there to be a border in the Irish Sea. None of us wanted that. Um, that's just how things are. But we can work through the protocol and the process to calm things down, to deal with some of the issues. But yeah. frankly, we're never we're not going to deal with the issue that unionists are most worried about, is that there is going to be some difference now in, in the trading relationship with Britain. That's just a reality of Brexit. So what is that process? Is the protocol still viable in your view? Well, it's it's viable because there is no alternative. You know, there, there really isn't. The, the, the alternative was a soft Brexit or no Brexit. And, you know, unionists wouldn't support that. Uh, the British government wouldn't support that. 
Um, so, I mean, if, if, people, if, if, if Britain are prepared to go back into the customs union and single market, well, there's no issue. Um, but if they're not, and yeah. it's clear that they aren't, uh, there have to be checks somewhere, and they can't be on the island of Ireland. So that's just a reality. So, but there are we have dealt with some of the issues that has been have been thrown up because of the protocol. I think you know the grace periods are good. Obviously, that should have been agreed with the with the European Commission instead again of the British government going off unilaterally. It's no way to do diplomacy. Um, but we need time to work, sit down, work through the issues and, and calm everything down but, and try not to make everything a constitutional crisis. But, Colm, I mean, you'll have heard, I think I told you, that Bertie Ahern, the former Irish Taoiseach, said that the main theme we should say to you and, and your unionist colleagues is calm down. But a lot of people are not calm. A lot of the unionist younger people perhaps feel that they uh, have issues here and perhaps... Perhaps some of them are too young to remember the ghastliness that some of that can bring about if it gets to the worst. Is there no, a real risk there, but also amongst um, perhaps dissident Republicans too? They might sniff the chance of a united Ireland and violence could come back. Well, I mean, th- there's absolutely a lot of tension and there's always a risk of that. Um, I don't like overplaying it. We recognise, of course, that for people who see themselves as British, this is, this is difficult. I mean, they didn't want a border in the REC, but it should be remembered, neither did we, and we argued against it, and we did everything we possibly could to argue against it, and bizarrely, the people who were most vociferous uh, on the other side of the argument were, were people like the DUP, um, who I, I think they've handled this so badly, but uh, we are where we are, I mean, and, and by the reason I say all that is because if we do scrap the protocol, we're back to square one, and then we have a border uh, in the middle of Ireland, and that's just not possible. It wouldn't be possible. Um, Twenty thousand troops couldn't um, couldn't enforce a border uh, in Ireland. The idea that it's going to be done or that it would be desirable, I think, is just a fantasy. So, I mean, we need to look at all of the issues that are affecting business, and and we shouldn't overplay them either because they aren't as bad as some people would like to make out. And go through them one by one through the joint committee, uh, through the protocol. Um, arrangements and work yeah. uh, like that and people like David Frost Lord Frost haven't helped um, in terms of trust uh, with the European uh, Commission and I think every everybody needs to dial down the rhetoric and get back to work and work yeah. through the process but Colin, we're not going to fix yeah, go ahead. Oh, so sorry. I was just going to ask you one last question. We are running out of time, so I'd, I'd really like your view on this briefly. Um, would you push for a border referendum at this point? Is that something you're thinking about? Uh, no, I think there will be a border poll uh, in, in, in the coming years. I, I, I frankly think that the United Kingdom is coming uh, to an end. I think just to look around uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland, and, and Brexit has largely done it. Um, I mean, I supported it anyway, uh, but Brexit has been a real rupture, and people are looking uh, at all of this differently now. They, they they want to be part of the European Union, and young people particularly want to be yeah. part of an open, progressive world. And this is being yeah. driven by English nationalism, and none of us want any part of that. Colm, thank you so much for being with us. Colm Eastwood there, the SDLP MP for Foyle and party leading leader, joining us here on Bloomberg Westminster. Well, listening into part of that was Claire Sugden, independent unionist uh, representing the East Londonderry constituency member uh, of the Legislative Assembly at Stormont. Claire, welcome to the programme. You are also, of course, a former justice minister yourself. In fact, one of the youngest MLAs at Stormont. So I'll come to you. Is Northern Ireland now the constitutional granny flat of the UK, as the Irish Times put it, sort of squashed by a border uh, you know, on the island of Ireland and a border in the Irish Sea now? 
No, I don't think so. Um, I think the issues that are coming from the protocol are ultimately trade issues. They're not constitutional issues. Um, Only the people of Northern Ireland can determine whether we change the constitutional position on the island of Ireland. And that hasn't happened and there's no indication that that will happen because it seems that a majority are still in favour of maintaining the status quo. But understandably, it is giving rise to concerns about the integrity of the UK and in particular Northern Ireland's place within within the the country. Um, And I think that's because we have seen a situation with the protocol where there is a border internally within a country. And, you know, that was not something that we ever anticipated in in relation to to Brexit. Now, I myself was a Remain voter and I'm disappointed that the the UK did vote to come out of the UK. That said, um, we are where we are and we need to ensure that moving forward that we do the best that we can. And that's in respect of all regions of the UK because sadly, and I'm saying this from a constituency perspective, there are barriers to trade east-west. And, you know, that's issues not just for the market in Northern Ireland, but also for suppliers in England. I'm speaking to everyone. And I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that the the, the decision around this came at the 11th hour. And the government, the UK government, wasn't prepared for these particular issues. Businesses are telling me that they're almost getting the blame for themselves not being prepared. But they would argue that they did everything they could from what the the government gave them. So I I think we do need to work through this moving forward. Um, And if we can't, then then we have to look if the protocol is really working for Northern Ireland, but also the UK. And what the alternatives are, and, and as you will know, I mean, there is anger out there, probably amongst your constituents, I'm guessing, uh, people who are fervent loyalists, who see this as a challenge to their status, to almost their identity, you know, 100 years after Northern Ireland, of course, uh, w- w- was created. Um, is there a risk that that could turn into something worse? I think what it demonstrates that, yes, nearly 25 years post our Good Friday Agreement, there still remains a volatility in Northern Ireland in relation to our past. And, you know, I think what we also have to remember is that many people from all sides took a significant leap within the Good Friday Agreement and accepted things that they perhaps wouldn't typically accept, but they did that in the name of peace. And we have to look at how far we've come, we have come. And Northern Ireland is in a state of peace all these years later. And we don't want to, to, uh, to undermine that in any way. And, you know, I think we have to put this in the midst of many people calling for a border call. You know, that that's, um, is very active right now. There are also attempts by some to even gaslight people into suggesting that a United Ireland is, in, is inevitable when it's not. And that really goes against the spirit of the Good Friday Agreement, which states that... You know, the constitutional position of Northern Ireland will only change when the people of Northern Ireland said so. And that hasn't happened. So I think we need to look at it in the round and in the context. And I I think the issues with the protocol, like from what I'm hearing, they're not insurmountable. And in fact, in many cases, a lot of them are disproportionate. I think Mm -hmm. what this requires is that Brussels, London, Belfast and Dublin all need to get off their horse and walk with each other and try and recognise that this is in the best interest of everyone to, to sort these issues out. Yeah, Boris Johnson has said that um, he suspended the implementation, delayed the implementation of the protocol, not to get rid of it, but rather to improve it. But is that really possible? Potentially, because as I said, the issues that I'm hearing are mainly on the ground from businesses who, you know, have found difficulties in getting supplies from England, for example, um, that they have been using for over 20 years and have tried to actually seek opportunities in the Republic of Ireland, but have found issues in that respect as well. You know, so it is having a real practical issue on the ground and to diminish those um, issues is not being helpful to find a, to finding a, a solution. Um, and, and I do think it's interesting that in the next coming weeks and months that we will try and find 
find ways through this. But again, it, it requires the politics to kind of be set aside and recognise the, the issues and the practicalities of moving forward. Well, that, that, that's the point, isn't it? That you've got yeah. almost an insurmountable situation because you there has to be a border somewhere. Maybe there have to be two borders, but none of it is going to come easy. And in a way, it's an anomaly that you can't really fix, isn't it? Well, again, you know, the issues that I'm finding are practical ones, um, and a lot of it's bureaucracy and paperwork. Um, you know, we heard from our own Department of Agriculture here in Northern Ireland that the checks happening in Northern Ireland are 20% of all checks across Europe. That's really uh, significant. Mm. You know, so, and, and certainly, you know, from my experience as a former Justice Minister, I'm fully aware of issues of access to Northern Ireland and other areas that don't have that same focus. Okay. So, I, I I think people need to step back and they need to move forward in trying to find a solution for everyone because as I said this isn't just about Northern Ireland it's about uh, Great Britain it's about Ireland and it's about Europe Bloomberg Westminster listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London Hi everyone I'm Paul Anka and I'm Skip Bronson And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.